0: Annyeonghaseyo, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody.
1: Hello. Hi there. Leah, I feel like you're like disappearing more and more. Like I wish everybody could see you right now. Like Leah's in a different spot. Yeah, she's in a different spot than she normally is, and she's she's very backlit, and it looks like she's in the witness protection program. And so I feel like we should put an effect on your voice just to protect you even further. (laughs)
0: Like
2: like the voice disguiser. So growing up, my mom was obsessed with Peter Jennings, the news anchor, (laughs) and it reminds me of like watching like ABC, like. She we lived for ABC News like with Peter Jennings, and I remember they always would do like the backlit like Iran Contra affair would be happening, and it'd be like a backlit person with like a robotic voice, like like giving their story. That's how I feel. Anyway, unexpected detour there. Um. So yeah, how is everyone? I know that um, there's a lot of lice in Megan's house, and she doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Um we're yep.
0: all we're all drinking right now, aren't we? Yeah. I mean <laughs> I'm I, done drinking. Uh... <laughs> I drink quickly. I combed lice out of my daughter's hair today. I'm over it. I mean, we first discovered it a week ago. And they're just it's hard to get rid of. And I wanna scream. I itch all over my body. And yeah, I I'm drinking because after doing all that I'm just over it i mean the good thing is that like you both had advice cause <laughs> lice I, I feel like anyone that has a kid in school like has had some sort of run-in with lice or some sort of like story about it so at least you guys you guys gave me very good advice today and that was actually what i tried this afternoon and it worked a lot better basically like slathering her head in conditioner and combing it out so i don't know if your kid has lice there you go with cover the it comb. with comb and knit comb, comb it out yeah. but she cried because, you know, it hurts her head to comb. Ugh. So I'm more than happy to not to talk about a
1: K-drama tonight because I don't want to talk about real life. Basically, I know. I know. I'm drinking because I had a kindergartner in my class today try to throw a chair at me. So that was fun. Kid <laughs> <Got to get laughs> hawked out on you. <laughs> totally hulked out on me. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm kind of over This whole education thing. (laughs) After after twenty one years, I've had my fill.
2: Oh my god! Well, we're (sighs) real uppers tonight. Um, I know. um, I know. Right? I'm sorry.
1: So so I'm in a pretty good place, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Tell us about it. She's just drinking because she didn't want to feel left out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because you guys said I'm drinking, and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to make a little gin and tonic post drink cocktail. (laughs) Okay. Well, Um, you tell us something good then. Well, let's see. I just, um, I got back from seeing BTS, Permission to Dance. I'm going to be recording a pod about that. So I feel like my bucket was, like, heaped up for the end of 2021, which was great. Um,
0: Oh, I love that.
2: Yeah. And since then, I've gotten a little dorked out in ways that, like, look, I just wasn't prepared for. So... BTS, all uh, they all got their own Instagrams, just like big boys this week. So that's been, like, a big real... Boys. I know, I was just, like, I mean, they're, like, grown as fucking almost 30-year-old men, and, like, they got their own Instagrams. I know. But um, <laughs> they're also incredibly endearing, <laughs> and I've enjoyed, like, watching the foray into that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I felt like I... Besides having BTS be really fun. I just had a really good trip in LA with my daughter. LA is a town that I had not really spent much time in, which is weird living in California for 11 years, but it's just like a traffic hellhole, polluted nightmare in my mind. And I actually quite liked it. Like I would definitely go back. We had a fun time and I wanted to tell like a couple of random non-BTS things that we did that were exciting. Yeah, please. We stayed in this old like apartment building hotel so it looked like melrose place basically they were hotel rooms but they were like old apartments from like old hollywood days so we Mm -hmm. were like in hollywood and they were centered around a swimming pool and i felt like i was literally in like melrose place and they had at the pool a red telephone and if you picked up the phone they would deliver you a red popsicle on a silver tray so my daughter thought that was like (laughs) the freaking money (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, like for like, and I mean, this wasn't like some like fancy hotel, but they just like made some pretty like generous choices that were like probably not breaking the bank for them. Like they had like an ice cream machine that you could use 24-7. They had like a soda, one of those like touchscreen soda machines you could use 24-7. So like, you know, it's like I just let it all go out the window like 10 o'clock at night. Bronte's like, I want Sprite. It was like. Who cares? <laughs> um, you could go up to the front. desk It's caffeine free. Yeah, you could go up to the front desk, and they had like forty snacks that you could just get. Like she would come back with like Snickers and microwave popcorn and Doritos, and I was just like, I want to go to this hotel. Right? Yeah, that's true. It was connected to this place called the Magic Castle, so it was the Magic Castle Hotel. I'm like, getting <gasps> You were setup. in the
1: Magic Castle, and so then oh we went gosh. to the Magic
2: Castle, which was next door, which <gasps> is like this invite only private magic club.
1: How'd you and get in then?
2: Because I guess if you stay at the hotel, you can ask to get put on like the list to get in. The list, I love it. <laughs> and they have like a children's brunch on the weekends. So at night, I think it's like a cocktail dress, like yeah, fancy go in. And it's a freaking crazy. Like you can't have your phone out. Um, it's just very like yoldy worldy, but like magiciany, <laughs> like red velvet everywhere, very dark paneling and then there's like all these rooms where like random magic's happening and you can just like watch people like doing magic um so it was super fun so we did that and we had to like dress up for brunch and go to that we went to koreatown you know my daughter got to practice some korean she was told she was pretty a few times because she's got a little head and so you know it's the beauty, <laughs> We went to the Librea Tar Pits and saw that. For some reason, I'd always wanted to see what the tar pits looked like. They were a little underwhelmed. I mean, they're fascinating. But I think I was expecting like bubbly death tar. And it was just kind of like a (laughs) pond with like an oil slick on it. But I mean, still cool. I mean, it's in downtown LA. And they're like pulling out like mastodons and giant sloths and dire wolves. So that's pretty cool. Wow. So anyway, I think that LA would be a fun trip in the future if BTS... When they come back, I think that, you know, everyone needs to pull it out this time because really, I can't say. I would
1: totally I love I yeah. love California and I I love like all the kitschy like Hollywood stuff. Like, I think that's super fun.
0: Yes, I will. Next time I, I will. And we w- we will be discussing this coming up a little bit. But Leah convinced me then. Well, not convinced me, but like uh, the amount gave of joy per- she got out of you this. <laughs> gave me permission. Gave me permission to buy to formally buy the A.T.'s tickets I've been wanting to buy. But it's just funny because you're, like, telling all these great stories about L.A. and, like, the A.T.'s concert is in New Jersey. (laughs) So, no offense if you're you're from New Jersey. Everyone in New Jersey right now is like, oh. (laughs) I know. But, look, look, I live in Pennsylvania, so I'm not being hoity-toity. It's not, I don't really want to travel here either. But it's funny because you're like, we got to do all this cool stuff. And I'm like, uh, I'm staying at, like, like a small hilton with my daughter for like one night in newark new jersey <laughs> to take her to this concert but that's okay it's we'll still have a we'll still have a good time we're i think we're gonna take a train so that will be exciting good old damn yeah. track if you're you know from around here maybe you'll have some zombies
1: on there yeah, i was gonna say the last train to newark oh god <laughs> uh, oh god so oh, anyway all right. Well, well, that you know, should bring it. That should bring it back into K drama. <laughs> yeah. Right. Trained <laughs> in Trained in train Newark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a
1: blockbuster. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now I'm just trying to think of like who would star in Trained in Newark.
0: <laughs> who would be the hero of Trained um, in Newark? Like the Jonas Brothers? They're from New Jersey. <laughs> I was Nick say, Jonas is an actor. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds.
1: Yeah, isn't he from Jersey? No, he's Canadian. No, he's Canadian. Oh, oh you're right. <laughs> right <he's Canadian. laughs>
2: Wait, he just I'm, got I'm, like
1: this. He just got this like a This like can Canada award thing. You're right. Being I knew like that
2: the most famous Timothy Chalamet because he's in like every single movie ever. All of a sudden,
1: he is. He's in everything.
2: Like honestly, every movie I looked at. Like I'm gonna hopefully do a date night with my husband tomorrow night, and I was like looking at movies, and he's like in the new Wes Anderson movie. He's in the Don't Look Up movie. He's in Dune. I'm like. Literally, yeah. Timothy Chalamet is
1: everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
2: Save some for the rest of everybody, buddy. He's gonna like set, you know, saturate himself, right? No shade on him. I mean, good. You know yours. I mean, place in Malibu or whatever.
1: (laughs) Oh
0: wait, Bruce Willis is from is from New Jersey. Oh, Bruce Willis would totally. He would totally be trained.
1: Except
2: that would make it Mm -hmm. awesome it would be yeah good that's <laughs> true like it would make it better than it had any right movie. i'm
1: trying to think of who would be who would be like you know sort of like a a, a b-level like actor for because tra- you know like trained in new york that's what it's gonna be right trained in new york last train to new york is gonna be the remake again no shade on jersey i'm just trying hey, to. hey guys meryl streep is from jersey she's not fighting zombies though
0: no um, I
1: mean, I'm our... sorry for a second. I have to be super classy here and crack open my white claw. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: Tom Cruise is from Jersey. Boo! I mean, my and Anne Hathaway, our agents. Ray Jersey. Liotta. Okay,
2: Ray Liotta would be out
0: a... <laughs> Ray Liotta. That's it. Ray, Ray Liotta. Liotta and Joe Pe- Ray
1: Liotta and Joe, <laughs> Joe Pesci, Pesci are both from New Jersey. <laughs> Ray Pesci? Liotta, and Joe Pesci fighting zombies. zombies?
2: So I always, oh God. and here's like something that's embarrassing when I like pretend like I like know my geography because I do know it, but I always forget that there is a jersey like that. It's on the ocean.
0: <laughs> it is. Like, There's a. There's Jersey actually shore. a
2: whole Jersey Shore, but like I always forget, like, oh yeah, fuck, there's like Oceanfront, Jersey. I so there's
0: an Ocean City, Maryland, which I've, it's, you know, like a resort town. And then there's also an Ocean City, New Jersey, which is not the Jersey Shore. Ocean City, New Jersey is actually a dry town. I vacation there with my family. What so you- if you go out to dinner, you can't buy, you can't like order alcohol. I mean, you can like. Is that like, why would you go know there?
1: Why would you go there?
0: Well,. <laughs> how do you, you even legis- bring it in how do you legislate that did you just it just can't be sold within the but, town but how so like, you can how bring it they, in but
2: how do you even make like your town like this isn't like the 1918 or
1: 1918 I, or whatever. i think it's always been a but dry there, are, town. there are like college there are like college towns that are like that that are like really? dry campuses yeah yeah oh yeah i think i and like don't quote me on this because i didn't go but i had some friends who did who went to indiana university and i'm pretty sure indiana was a dry campus
2: Wait, like Yo, the yeah. University of?
1: Uni- like Indiana University, and you couldn't buy alcohol in the town. I'm looking yeah, I've heard up. of dry campuses, too.
0: But Ocean City, New Jersey, it's not bad. It's funny, because you have to, like, cross, like, a really long bridge to get into it. And right before you cross the bridge, there's, like, a massive, um, like, liquor beer store. Because everyone, like, buys it and then just takes it in. And you can, like, obviously drink in your home. It's just you... Well within there's, the city limits, which isn't really that big. You there's can't even buy dry
2: it. counties, apparently. So look at this map yeah. here. The dry places okay. are here. So for some reason it's disproportionately in the south.
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, okay, That's this is lot. not this is not making for good no. uh podcast listening. Anyway, if you look well, I don't in, know,
0: I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, but I'm showing pictures. <laughs> I mean like
2: look at this map. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> people Look at nice. home like uh why am i listening to this <laughs> anyway let's who's got a what are we even here for it? today yeah. folks <laughs> what's why are we
1: here <laughs>
2: why are we here what is the purpose of it all that's what you asked existential you crisis can, yes existential crisis this is what happens that's a good segue
1: actually it's a it good segue is. into this up, into this episode so let's do it which is yeah
2: go back couple is a 2017 drama based on a 2016 web tune called Do It One More Time, which sounds like a <laughs> Backstreet Boys song.
0: Yeah. Handy <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
2: Baby One More Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, married couple Choi Bando, played by Son Ho Jun, and Ma Jin Ju, played by Jang Na Ra, they are 38 years old and they're raising a toddler in Seoul. And both of them are on the struggle bus because the day-to-day grind of their lives is just like gnawing through the fiber of their relationships. So Bando is a pharmaceutical salesman, and he's spending his days shilling medicine and his evenings either drinking with um, annoying prospective clients or helping a narcissistic and adulterous hospital director get action on the side while evading his wealthy sugar mama wife. Not very fulfilling. Meanwhile, Jinju is a housewife who is hardly living her best life, sleeping in and going to yoga classes. Instead, she's covered in food and possibly spit up while struggling to find meaning in her life and coping with the death of her beloved mother. So, you know, one little thing after another has piled up and finally, you know, their foundation cracks and they decide they're getting a divorce except fate throws a wrench in their plans in the most unexpected of ways.
1: See, Bando and Jinju wake up to find themselves as 20-year-old university students poised at the moment they meet, but with all the memories of the next 18 years of their lives still intact. They can choose a new path, new loves, first loves, or other possibilities. However, if they do, then their beloved son can never be born. Dun, dun, dun. How did we come to watch this drama?
2: So this was recommended by a friend of the pod, one of our Patreon members, uh, Grace, who has just kind of like raved about this drama as, you know, like a gem that she doesn't hear getting talked about nearly enough. And given that, you know, we've had some good luck with um, some unappreciated gems, namely I Am Not a Robot, Into the Ring, I think all of our ears perked up to see like, you know, what the fuss was about.
1: I would say we're so grateful that she recommended this because we all came out of this with some really big feelings, like in a good way. So thank you, Grace.
0: Yes, thank you. This will stick with me for a while.
2: Yeah. yeah. And we really do appreciate recommendations and, you know, we take them on board. So like if you feel bad, if you've made a recommendation to us and we haven't done it yet, like... We have made a list of every time someone gives us a recommendation, we put it on the list. Um, it's just this one seemed like it was short. It kind of hit us all in like a place we were ready to watch it. But I do just want to also throw out for the 10,000 people plus who recommended My Mister, we got you. That's happening we, in 2022. Yeah, we promise. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> Among among others. But really I don't think I've had any drama recommended as much as my mister and that will happen. But right now, tonight, it is time for Go Back Couple. So Amy, what trope would you say this drama is and how does it have a fresh spin that separates it from many other K dramas?
1: So I was trying to think of what to call this and I, I I think it's I mean it's pretty simple. It's it's a time travel second chance romance. But what's unique about this drama is that all the romance dramas we've watched so far have been about couples first falling in love. Sure, some of these couples might might have that like, we met as children but forgot about each other until fate brings us back together. But ultimately, they're all falling in love for the first time. Whereas in Go Back Couple, we see Bando and Jinju at the point in their relationship where both are at the end of their rope. They've forgotten why they love each other, what they love about each other. They've forgotten how to be there for each other. And they've forgotten that they once made each other happy. And all they can see at present is what they've sacrificed for each other and what they've lost. When they go back to the year they met, even though they try to avoid ending up together again, we see who they were before life got in the way. And we see how and why they fell in love. And it's the ultimate second chance romance with a super fun magical or maybe sci-fi twist and I just it's something that we haven't seen before this seeing a couple at the end of their relationship and then going back and finding out you know if they're so unhappy why did they even end up together in the first place and I really I really love that about this so yeah it's a very interesting twist on the second chance romance yeah
0: because I would even say at the beginning they're Bringing out the worst in each other. I mean, they're, they truly are unhappy. This is not, they're, they're unhappy with each other. There is underlying resentments that are unresolved. And at the beginning, I'm like, yeah, you guys probably shouldn't, you know, be together or at least you definitely need some separation. So it was interesting to see how they went back and how they kind of repaired, you know, what they lost in each other.
2: So, Ki-young is 11 years younger than Jong Na Ra, but played Jinju's second male lead, which meant he had to pretend to be a bit older and more world weary in many ways. You know, and this is like in real life, he was so worried that viewers may not buy him as like playing this role that he apparently printed photos of Na Ra and posted them all over his house even his front door so that he could like get more used to hanging out with her so first question Megan is this the most precious behind the scenes story we've ever heard of to date (laughs) and how did this actor's performance stack up against his
0: newer role that you recently watched in my roommate is a gumio so yeah this is incredibly precious so he does look extremely young in this drama i it, that was kind of the one of the things that struck me and especially because i recently saw him and my roommate is a gumio and he is a 900 year old something gumio and he kind of acts like it i will say i thought his chemistry and acting with Jung nara was was really wonderful he definitely excels at playing like a slightly aloof closed off character um which i think suits his looks perfectly i would say he just looks like rich royalty like i don't really know (laughs) how to describe it but he just he just looks rich he just looks like he should always always be wearing like a three-piece suit an expensive trench coat um but i do think those are the roles he's best at i do think that's what he tends to gravitate to so i definitely saw like a obviously a difference in the acting but i thought he Played a, a wonderful character. I thought he did really well in his role.
1: I, like, when I read this in the script, I was blown away. And not because I don't think he looks young. Like, he looks his age. But I could not believe that Zhang Nara was 11 years older than him. Because she looked like his age contemporary in this. Like, I believed her as a 38-year-old, you know, struggling mother who was unhappy but I also believed her believed that when they went back in time that she was 20 years old like she pulled right? off both ages How? she is her skin is the like it's the most flawless thing I've ever seen I don't know what she's drinking but I want it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so a question for all three of us if you could go back to your 20 year old self what would you do differently or not
1: So I cheated a little bit. I'm going to say I like to go back a couple of more years to 18 because I think technically like we start college at 18 and they start at 20. So I think it's still the the same stage in life. And I would take a gap year. Like I didn't even know that was a thing when I was graduating high school. When I was getting ready to go to college, I had no idea why I was going other than that was just what you did after high school. Like I literally applied to four different Midwestern colleges under four different majors and when I got into all four, I chose the, the, the home school, you, you know, University of Illinois, because I was like, why am I going to ask my parents to pay for me to go out of state when I have no idea why I'm going? Like, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do with myself because I was 18. And I changed my major a million times and finally ended up as a liberal arts English major with one main goal to study abroad for the entire year of my junior year, which I did. I lived in Scotland. But then I graduated with an English degree, which didn't do me much good until I went back to school for two more years to get my teaching certification. So long story short, is that it was a long and winding road for me to end up as a writer and also an educator right now, which we all know I'm not (laughs) loving at the moment. Um, And I'm glad I'm here. Like, I'm glad I am where I am. But I think that I could have maybe avoided some detours along the way had I known that there was a sort of option to take a year and kind of find myself and like as, as cheesy or hokey as that sounds like i didn't know what i wanted out of life and how cool it would have been like now like my my daughter's a sophomore in high school and now like i keep getting i get emails from like the you know the college counseling department like here's, you know, this program they can take a look at. Here's this program. And, like, look at here they can get some information about gap year programs. And, like, that's, like, a thing now. And I I really wish I knew that that was an option because I definitely would not have gone right to school.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I I think a lot. Like, if I could go back, I think I would have wanted – I think I would have wished I traveled more, but then, like, I didn't have the money to travel. So, like, who's that kidding? Like, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, yeah, I wish I would have, like, studied abroad or – all that kind of stuff but I I think I more than anything more on like a personal level I wish that I I mean maybe we all think this but I think I really wish I would have cared much less about what other people think oh god yeah you know like I think that was like the biggest thing I I just wish that I hadn't tried so hard to fit in and I wish that you know I bought the clothes I wanted to I acted the way I wanted to I joined the clubs that I wanted to and I was I don't know I did I (laughs) I didn't do things because I I wish I didn't do all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I wish I just did things because I loved it. And it's like I'm 38 now and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm buying whatever obnoxious clothes that I want to buy. I don't care. And I'm, you know, going to shout my love of K-pop and I don't care anymore what people think. And it's just a little bit more refreshing. So I don't know, man. Youth is great, but I don't know. I kind of like being my age, too. So this is a hard question for me.
1: I would say super, super cliche, but youth is wasted on the young. It is. It is. They don't. They don't get it. We didn't get, it. get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it either.
0: God, I, you know what? I wish I would have taken boudoir, boudoir photos. That's what I wish I would have done. My twenty-year-old boobs were so good. That's all. That's that's my. The- <laughs> And that kind of is a nice segue into what I
2: was going to say, which is like, look, I would have shot all my shots until I was like an empty gun barrel because I just don't realize like I look back now and I'm like, you know, I kind of like I was not bad looking and I could have probably (laughs) like gotten it a little more. Not that I like didn't. (laughs) I'm just saying I could have done like more than I even like dreamed I could have. (laughs)
1: Confidence is a tricky fucking thing, isn't it? Like, it right, is. Like I think that a lot, too. And
2: now I'm like, ugh, fucking Haggard is shit. <laughs> but anyway, so let's see. This is, like, yeah, challenging for me, too, because, like, do I have some regrets? Like, of course, absolutely. But, like, I also feel like the same thing you all said, which is I don't want to upset the balance of, like, space and time and erase my children from existence. But I'm going to like pretend for a minute like that doing that won't happen. So look, I think for me, I met Nick, my husband, when I was 20. And I'm not sad about that, but I can't deny the fact that because I invested in, you know, a long term relationship at an age when I was barely an adult, I like made many choices with our coupleness in mind or prioritizing his needs actively. So and that's not to say like he didn't have to do the same, but this is like my story. <laughs> and so uh, my time. My time. You have the mic. He has yeah. no mic. He's yeah, he doesn't even listen to this podcast. So this is my time, my story. <laughs> my stuff. So like I think what I wish is that like I could have had some more independence and time to like work and seek jobs like that just were like purely what I was like looking to do. And travel alone more, which I like have been lucky to travel alone, you know, quite a bit. But I really, I really love to travel by myself. Um, It's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, I also wish that I'd done things like gone to teach English in South Korea or China like I had planned on because I went and got my certificate of English language teaching to adults. And like that was going to be like in the cards for me. And then I decided that I didn't want to be separated from Nick more. And I'm saying this because like we weren't a couple that was joined at the hip at this time. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I've got this boyfriend and I can't leave him. It was like he would spend over six months on an island in the subantarctic. And he did that over like a number of years And then I was like American with like a shoddy visa coming back and forth, like continental hopping, trying to make it work. So like sometimes the idea would be like, oh, and I'd really like to like go teach like, yeah, English in like Northern China or like, I think South Korea was also on my list, but I was like, fuck man. Like if I do that, like I'm never gonna like ever see my like boyfriend, fiance, now husband. And so, you know what I mean? Like it just became this thing, but like I was constantly hustling to make the relationship work. And not just being this like selfish asshole, which is sort of what I imagine is probably pretty rad about being like 21.
0: You're brave to like say that because I would say I have similar thoughts. I you know got together with Neil when I was 18 and we've really been together since. So, you know, there are definitely things that I didn't do uh in favor of you know not wanting to be separated wanting to like stay in the relationship would not want to do long distance because i'm the same. i love to travel alone um before the pandemic i was going to signings maybe two or three times a year and flying alone and i have to say it was like my absolute favorite thing i mean except flying home from new orleans when it tried to kill me and i had (laughs) oh my god staying with
1: you at new orleans was rough (laughs)
0: Yeah, so that that was a different thing. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I would say I totally get where you're coming from because I kind of did similar things. And I it's not that I regret it, but I wish things could have been a little different, I guess.
2: Yeah, I wish I could just like insert somehow like right, yes! a couple of yes. extra years I could have had to like do me.
0: <laughs> right. Totally agree. Totally. I think I think part of it is I'm like, I'm doing that now. Like that's why I'm like you know i'm acting out at 38 having mm-hmm. a midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> so another
2: thing is that you know we've all been young moms like trying to like hack it with like our new identities as parents and in what way did this drama resonate with you on that end
1: i love that you say like that that idea of like identity because being a mom is the hardest yet best part of my life but i remember In the very beginning, like literally like in the first like weeks, like thinking, oh my gosh, part of me is gone. Like part of my life, like part of my freedom. You kind of like mourn like that loss of the part of your life that you don't get to do anymore. And it's kind of like what we were just saying, like these years we wish we could insert and whatever. But like I would never, I would never change becoming a mom. Like I said, it's like the best thing. And even though sometimes I feel like I'm doing everything wrong, there is, for me, no love like the love that I have for my kids. And I'm grateful that they're in my life and have been for the past 16 years. So when this drama really hit me was the scene where Jinju, once she's back in time, and she and Bando are trying so hard to avoid each other. And, like, comically so, right? Like, we're laughing at them, like... You know, like, he blows her off and basically says to her, I, in case you're not, like, sure of this, I'm blowing you off, <laughs> you know? And it's before she's sure if he's come back in time, too, because at first, you know, they don't know that. Like, that's a tiny little spoiler, but they find out right away. But, like, once they both know and they're still trying to avoid each other, they start realizing what, like, those implications are. And so there's there's this scene where they're both, you know, they're both trying to avoid getting married but then Jinju realizes that it means that their son, Sujin, won't exist. And that absolutely wrecked me. She's walking along a bridge and thinks that she sees her son smiling and running towards her. But then we realize that it's another toddler with his mother. And she collapses on the ground and is, like, letting loose these sort of, like, guttural howls. And I lost it. Like, I was hysterical. I was bawling because I'm, I'm the one coming at this drama as a divorced mom. And my relationship with my kid's father might not have been the right relationship. And we weren't, you know, fated mates or anything like that. Um, But never once would I say that I regret that relationship because it gave me my son and my daughter. And so even though I said earlier that I'd make some changes if I could go back to my 20 or 18-year-old self, I would not change going through that marriage because I would not change becoming a mom to the exact two souls and the exact two bodies that my kids are right now. And I'm going to start crying. I, um, I know that. the way you
0: put that is was very cool you you always say you always say things sometimes in this podcast and I'm like yep Amy's a writer <laughs>
1: thanks yeah.
0: I mean I I completely agree so the scenes of Jinju as a tired mom felt so incredibly real I sometimes feel like shows or movies when they depict busy moms they're very much caricatures like crazy things are happening like sinks are overflowing and kids are screaming and like, like multiple things at once just to like show chaos, which is very much like a bull in a China shop way to show the chaos of, of parenthood. But I would say that the hardest part of, of motherhood or parenthood is like the daily ins and outs. And if you're a parent who's home with their child while your spouse is outside of the home working, it's the loneliness. And so to me, I love the like kind of quiet scenes where they just show her like eating, standing up while holding uh, a baby, you know, trying to like fold clothes and do household chores Um, when your child, the very opening scene where she's trying to go to the bathroom and the kid comes in um, and and they didn't make it like silly. They just made it very real. I felt like I was like at my own house, like when, you know, even now, I swear Uh to God, my kids are eight and ten, eight and eleven. And I cannot, like, go to the bathroom where someone's, like, coming in. I'm like, are you serious right now? Anyway, yeah, and and it's her deciding to, like, get out of the house and enjoy the sunshine while pushing her baby stroller and realize that she has, like, tangled hair and a stain on her clothes. You know, sometimes motherhood is this almost, like, disconnect with your own body because you are so focused on this, like, other little body that is an extension of you. And so those were the scenes that hit me the hardest because I fully empathize with Jinju. I've been her numerous times. And I felt like there was a real care there to show how hard, you know, parenting can be. Um, and like the loneliness of it without making it a joke.
1: I love that you bring up, you know, that your kids even now walk in on you, like when you're going to the bathroom and stuff like that, like my kids are almost 13 and 16. And if I were to walk into their bedrooms without knocking, all fucking hell would break loose. But they just <laughs> walk into mine. And one one day I heard my door opening and I was like, I think it was my son. And I was like, Connor, I'm like getting undressed to get in the shower. Like, what do you need? He's like, oh, well, you said you were coming to do like such and such. And I'm like, and I'm like, and then I was showering. Like, I knock on your door. Like, can you knock on, like, can I get that same courtesy? Like, again, right? love my kids, but like... It's like out of sight, out of mind, because they've always been doing it. Like they, you know,
0: they like it's never anything important, by the way. No,
1: it's always like
0: like he'll come bursting in and then he's like, what are we doing this weekend? And I'm like and then I like lose my shit and I'm like, get out. Are you kidding me? I'm peeing.
2: My poor kids. I feel like my son I'm, like, the one that, like, will come out without my pants on and be, like, get a cup of coffee. And he's, like, no! And I'm, like, ah, deal with it. <laughs> That's
0: so you. I don't that doesn't surprise me at all.
2: But, yeah, for me, I felt, like, the same, like, that you just said, Megan, which is, um, you know, that scene where Jinju is standing on the corner in a white t-shirt and, like, realizes that she's totally stained and is, like, trying to, like, cover it up. And it just, it made me remember this, like, memory I'd kind of forgotten about, which is when my oldest was a baby, I can remember going down to this, like, beach park in Hawaii to nurse him, which sounds a lot more, like, romantic than it was. It was kind of, like, more of, like, an industrial (laughs) beach park, but it was, like, close (laughs) to where I was. And my sister was with me, and I was just, like, out of my mind with exhaustion. And as we walked, and this was, like, my outing, right? Like, I was, like, getting out of the house. So as we walked back to the house... I made it not one, not two, but three entire town blocks before realizing that my dress was tugged down around my waist. Like the top of my dress was hanging around my waist. Like my bra was fully, like I was just in my bra with like my like dress around my waist. And it was like this old navy blue and white striped dress that I could like, it was baggy and I could like shrug out of it to nurse and i just like forgot to pull it back up and so much was my state of like being just like wtf hot mess that my sister didn't even notice to tell me because she was just so used to me looking like that around the house (laughs) so like we like at one point i looked at i'm like oh my god my bra my sister's like i didn't even notice (laughs) and so i was just like that was where i was at And, you know, we moved to Santa Cruz when my middle child was still a baby and my oldest was a toddler. And part of the move was that my husband was able to get this job that was equal to both of our salaries. And that meant that I became a stay at home mom. And I remember this was a period where like he had just leveled up in his career to take this like bigger job and he was super stressed about it. And I was super stressed because like I'm not domestic on a good day and it didn't take long until I was like climbing the walls and was lonely and was not getting a lot of like deep meaning out of like folding laundry and nap time. So did resentment and bitterness and misunderstandings pile up? Yes, a lot. And I mean, like, we still do therapy. And it's honestly all rooted probably back from like those beginning times. And like the fact that the two of us trying to run a household is a fraught affair. And like, I think back to like when we were kid free and like sleeping in and like going to the market on Sundays and like having fun. And like we never, ever fought. And now we could be like ready to like cut a bitch over. dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I get it. Mm
1: -hmm. Leo, your dress story made me think of, I mean, I'm sure you both did. Like, you, remember the nursing bras where you could keep your bra on but unfold, the, unsnap, like, the flaps or whatever? Yeah, that's what was I so was wearing. I was wearing that bra. Your boobs would just be hanging out of a frame? <laughs> and that's how <laughs> like I was Hanging out of a frame? <laughs> <laughs> a boob frame. That's all it was. And I would walk around my house in, like, my boob frame. Like, my nursing bra, like, unsnapped or whatever. Yeah. And, like, people, people would come to visit, and I would forget that I'm, like, literally boobs, like, because I wouldn't have a shirt on. Because, like, I had a hard time nursing my daughter on my first – well, I had a hard time nursing both of them. But the first time around, I had a really hard time nursing – and so I would try nursing like every second she was able to. And so I just never had my boobs covered up. It was to the point like where relatives would come visit to see the baby for the first time. I'm like, you just have to understand my boobs are going to be out while you're here. Like, and I don't care. Like, and you yeah. have to not care.
2: Yeah, my body has never that utilitarian, like, you know, those sexy 20 year old boobs just becoming utters.
0: <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, my my daughter so my my second kid is my daughter and um so she was extremely attached to be she needed fed every two hours nursed every two hours for like the first six months and I mean I was like never separated from that child for six straight months and so I, I just remember like everywhere we went I was just nursing like I was just a nursing factory for a solid six months so yeah everyone saw my boobs like, we went out to dinner with friends. They saw my boobs. Like, because you can only do so much. Like, and to be honest, by that time, I was like, you're going to all see them. I don't give a shit anymore. Yep.
2: I nursed my third till I was three. She was three. I know. Like, I can't even believe it. Like, I was, I just gave up at that point. I was like, <laughs> is it long enough you can take into the other room? <laughs> just take with you around the house? Like, I, I. I take freaking with give up you. at this point. <laughs> just like can you to, take it with you? Know, you? To go <laughs> can, can I go into the backyard just, like, throw it out the window? <laughs> like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your boot. Oh, my God. I do remember this one time, and then I'll let it go because I forgot this, but I remember the one time I really, like, I probably could have possibly, like, murdered my Like, without a joke, like, maybe i could have without hyperbole was when we were trying to get my son to sleep by himself like in his own room and we were just morons trying to like make this happen and we could not get it together and like i really didn't like him crying alone blah 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 so it became this thing Mm -hmm. where we're like we're not i'm not gonna like feed him to sleep I'm gonna like put him into bed I don't even know what happened like we just had like all these like arbitrary rules that made sense because we were like stupid and exhausted and one night my husband woke up and I wasn't there and he found me on my hands and knees in my son's room because he'd woken up crying and I had somehow gotten it into my mind I can't get the baby out of the crib because we're not doing that so I had jackknifed my boob through the bars of the crib. Jack- <laughs> <laughs> and my son was on his hands and knees. He was like eight months or something. Just like nursing the town. And I was just kind of like shoved against the thing. Like not happy. And my husband came in and he's like, what the hell is happening? And I was like, get out. Oh my God! somebody came in, just like what? This makes no sense. And I was like, "I want you dead, dead."
0: <laughs> just picture your boob like shoved through the slat. of Yes, like, as as kids, and this kid's like, not like nursing.
2: I mean, like, talk about like you know, like three years before that, I'd been like hot in my bikini on the beach, and then all of a sudden it was like, not even three years, like. A year and a half, (laughs) and then I was like, "Well, that's all fucking over." You're now like this, like. (laughs) Anyway, is it
1: bad? Is it bad? Is it bad that that is making me think of the scene in Go Back Couple when, (laughs) when Duck J has his head stuck in the fence in the gate. (laughs) He does gets his head stuck in the fence in the gate. Oh my god
0: so okay who <laughs> would
2: now that we've just overshared a lot about our like our, boobs, know, about our sorry, boobs yeah our boobs mm-hmm. this is a boob boob podcast you know what though those who of you would,
1: those of you who have not had children you have to know <laughs> what you're so getting this into is what I- <laughs> yeah I and mean,
2: i mean like this is what the drought like and that's not to say that like yeah i mean this is just like this story really is centering on like that i think some of those feelings mm-hmm Um, And that was like part of the reason why we connected. So who would love this drama and who might not?
1: So I think anyone who loves a second chance romance will love this. But you have to have an open mind about the divorce aspect. Like, I don't think this drama is anti-divorce. And as somebody who is very pro-divorce or whatever works best (laughs) for you, you know, I think this drama is looking at one facet of divorce and is more pro-marriage is hard and it's easy to lose sight of why we love the you know the person we love
0: yeah i mean i agree with you to me this drama almost isn't really about divorce i really think it's a second chance romance with two people who need to reconnect after some you know adult things uh made them grow apart so i would say anyone who likes a second chance romance with some humor because there is a lot of very physical humor very funny stuff yeah it's funny. I almost felt like every every single time there was like a really dramatic scene, there would be something funny right after it.
2: Yeah, it's got slapstick for sure, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely like some slapstick. Yeah. So I would say I'm not so sure that this would appeal to a younger demographic, like high school viewers or, or maybe even college, because I, I really do think you have to have some sort of connection to kind of like a either a long-term relationship or not I don't think you have to like have kids but I think you have to kind of understand a little bit about how adulting can turn things sour I don't know how else to explain it it's a younger middle-aged
2: drama if that makes sense (laughs) like I would say that like I think it really this drama like bangs from like your like 30s to like your like early 50s probably (laughs)
1: Probably, And then anyone else
2: can like connect as well. But I feel like that's the part where you're like kind of like in some of the shit and like, you know, I feel like those parts of your career where you're still trying to like hack certain things, like, you know, you kind of see, you know, like him out, like trying to like make it in his career, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's certain things that kind of come. It's definitely like an over 30, I would feel like. Yeah. If you like the reply series, you know, I think you there's a good chance you might dig this. So first of all, I had this like pretty giant crush on the main actor, Son Ho Jun, in Reply nineteen ninety-four, and getting to see him like be a hero here was just lovely. I think he's got this personality that's very adorable, but then this like real warmth that's just like this mug of cocoa. And while this is a simpler plot than any of the replies and it's much shorter at 12 episodes, I feel like there's just like a couple of similar vibes, despite it having a different showrunner. Also, I think it's worth noting that both these characters have the opportunity to explore the possibility of love with other people than each other. And that's something that can make some viewers and like within like romance very upset. So personally, I think it's realistic and well done. But not everyone is willing to see the main couple have eyes for anyone else.
0: Yeah, I will say that I actually in my romance, I hate I don't like it. I actually really enjoyed how this drama handled all of it, which we're I think we're going to talk about once we get to the spoiler section. Yep, absolutely. So
2: now it's time for our favorite part of every episode, which is our K-pop Wreck of the Week. So Megan, are you going to be talking about Jin and Super Tuna?
0: <laughs> no, but I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. Good for him. Oh, my God. Super Tuna's making me die, actually.
2: And I think he's very, uh, like, it's I don't It's like know on the billboard he's... charts. I don't feel like he intended it to get as big as potentially it got. He doesn't. He seems actively embarrassed by it, which yeah. makes sense considering the dance moves are
0: ridiculous. Aww, well, you know. <laughs> Um, Okay, so actually this week, I'm not actually sure if this group is considered K-pop or if it's more K-band. This group is called Denary Heroes. So it's like X, then Denary Heroes. Uh, And the song is called Happy Death Day. And the reason I'm recommending it is because it's truly not like anything that I have seen K-pop groups come out with. So I will say that this is a band. There are guitarists, there are keyboardists, there's a drummer... And the song is extremely catchy, has very much like a punk vibe. Just the whole thing feels really unique. They are uh, with the same company as Stray Kids. So it's definitely an entertainment company that has a lot of money to promote them and I definitely have been seeing them all over the place. So I'm I hope they do well like I'm really looking forward to see what else they've put out. So and again, they're the Extonary Heroes and the song is Happy Death Day.
1: I re- you, so Megan sent us the video for this. Uh, I think it was was it yesterday or the day before and I didn't yeah. have a chance to watch it because I was at work and I just watched it before the pod today and I loved it. Right. Loved Isn't it, it really yeah.
0: fun? And yeah. it, I mean, it, it, there's no choreographed dancing. Like it's not at Lily. A, it's not a K-pop. They're like, it's a, a video, a
1: right? Like it was yeah. like, yeah, it was different. I liked it a lot.
0: Yeah. It felt like I was watching like a punk band video. Yeah. Kind of like Poppy Green Day. Yes. I would. I'm yes. curious like, if they're going to keep that vibe or if this was like a one off. Yeah. because it's definitely a little darker. Like it's not, it's called Happy Death Day. If you want, like, you know, there's some like voice effects that they put on some of the singing and it's just really unique. So I definitely recommend it to, to check it out for something different. Um, and we'll put it on our Spotify playlist. And well, speaking of our playlist, just a reminder that we have a Patreon and it's been really rewarding for us to interact with all our patrons. If you are a Patreon, uh, depending on the tier you choose, you can, get an extra bonus episode every month and you can also participate in a live chat with us that we call the K Drama support group so you can check it out look for us afternoon delight podcast on patreon i'll have the link in the show notes um you can also head over to our website and look at our merch tab because we do have some merch that would make fun christmas gifts we have pillows and shirts and all kinds of stuff And our website is AfternoonAdelight.com.
2: Now we're getting into the spoiler section. So if you have not seen this drama and you feel enticed, you know, you may want to go away and come back and listen to the rest after you've watched it. It is a pretty short drama 12 episodes and it's on Vicky or, you know, if you've watched it or, you know, you don't mind about spoilers, stick around and we'll keep going. So for me, I just really needed to have us talk about the period scene and why this is just a 10 out of 10 moment.
1: I mean, you you both had already watched it and knew. And then I got to this and I messaged you both on Slack and was like losing my shit because this was one of the best scenes in a romance for me ever. Like Bondo very nonchalantly buying Jinju pads when she calls him from a public bathroom stall. After getting her period and then stopping himself before he pays because he realizes the package he has isn't the kind with wings. I'm sorry, like just (laughs) fucking stop. Like for real, this was the scene where I was like, oh, I see. I am in love with Bando. And I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really did. I lost my shit because it was it was it wasn't just the pads, too. It was the fact that he got her like essentially pain medication. But he had to get her the kind with acetaminophen because ibuprofen hurt her stomach. I'm not sure it might be vice versa. The point is he knew exactly which medicine to get her. And I just so it was this like mature familiarity, like with her to get what she needs without making a scene or making it about him like he wasn't like oh look how great I am for getting you what you need and maybe that's me because I've dated men in the past who I felt like they only did nice things because they wanted to like make a grand show because they wanted it to be about them rather than actually about me and so I'm always really attracted to that when just kind of like the quiet things that your partner does for you I mean he just he wanted to ease her pain and he knew what to do didn't make a big deal about it and so sometimes I wonder if like spouses, particularly men, think we need big grand gestures and like, no, <laughs> especially if you've been married for a while and have kids like I don't need flowers that are one more thing to keep alive, especially because my cats eat them.
1: Same, same. I always I'm yeah. like, tell me, I like, do not ever get me flowers ever. I don't want flowers. Oh,
0: really? I love getting flowers. <laughs> Nick, you can get me flowers. But I need like I need a husband who will make late. Late night runs for lice medicine when I find a bug in my daughter's hair and return home with like the literal lice aisle from the pharmacy. You know, I need a husband who when he takes my car, he stops and gets gas when it's close to E or he's at the grocery store and he sees something on sale that he knows I like. Like it's those little things to me that are special. So this was just really huge to me. I I love this scene so much like this scene to me was romantic. Like, it was. It's crazy. I was Absolutely. like, this is, yeah, I was like, this is actually one of the most romantic scenes I have seen. I just loved it so much. Uh, I got that like giddy feeling, you know, in my stomach. And so I just, you know, props to whoever wrote it, props to Bondo and the actor, just everything. It was fantastic. So, you know, we
2: already talked about like earlier that like, you know, I have gotten to the point in life kind of like i think Jinju got where like you know we can't even like stand the sound of our partner's voice but like you know we also even know like all their little habits and nuances and because of that like you know i think we just do these acts of kindness sometimes and that's like in some ways what love is so you know there have been times that i like haven't liked my husband but i've always loved him and i felt like this was like something that i saw with like Bondo in this moment like they still hadn't really like come together warmly and I don't think he still particularly liked her at this point but like in this act there was like love and it felt like it was um a real turning point to me too in the drama where they started to like find their way back to each other like when he's like doing that little like weird she like wanted her back to be kind of like gently punched (laughs) which was like yeah it was like a weird little move Yeah, that's not a move I've ever, you know, looked to get. But, like, it was obviously working for her and he knew to do it. So, to me, this was, like, much better than, like, blowing on, you know, a little boo-boo and putting a Band-Aid on it. This was, like, knowledge that only was gained from, like, close-quarter living and vulnerability and, like, being able to count on, you know, your significant other.
1: Well said. Have you never gotten lower back pain with your period?
0: Yeah, but I don't want anyone touching me. <laughs> like I would never I, want.
1: I mean, I've never, I've never tried that, so I have no idea. Yeah, yeah
0: I get very bad lower back pain. Like okay. I truly do. But normally, I just, I like to like curl up in a ball. Like I kind of, I almost do like the, what's that like, po- the child's, child's pose, pose or something yeah. in yoga? That's what I do. I don't like. I, if I have bad cramps, I don't want Neil within like ten feet of me, and he knows it. <laughs> I don't really get cramps. Oh,
1: lucky. well, I don't but anymore. I also, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I do. Mine are I bad. Ha-
1: in case listeners want to know, I don't have a uterus. <laughs> Good for-
0: don't rub it in. I- I'm honestly incapacitated for usually a day. Like, mine's really wow. bad the older I get. So, no. My- but
2: I think I have like a womb that like doesn't function because like I never went into labor either, even with like the highest dose of Pitocin that I could have been given. I've never had.
0: I've had three kids and no contractions. Okay. I, we're moving on. I don't want to talk. About it.
1: Pitocin <laughs> so gives, think, you, I'm not breaking. Pitocin I, gives I, you contractions, though, and they're horrible. Like, I had them.
2: No, I just sat and watched TV. Are you
1: serious? Like, you didn't even yeah. contract with Pitocin? No. Oh, and I got wow. the
2: highest dose they could legally give me, and I realized I was, like, an X-man of, like, <laughs> unable to, like,
0: have a contracting uterus. <laughs> oh, my God. I was on Pitocin for three days. Oy. I was in labor for three days. Okay, we're not talking anyway, about this. You guys just <laughs> me angry. me so-
1: <laughs> well, angry. I, I, I was on Pitocin and it was terrible because I even with an epidural, I felt every, contra- every Pitocin contraction. And I was on Pitocin yeah. for um, almost 24 hours and I finally told the nurse that I, we needed to do something else and they gave me a C-section.
2: I had wolf music literally loaded up, and I was ready to get like I had a whole birth thing, like natural birth plan. Of course, you I did. I literally had howling wolves <laughs> oh that I was God. on my playlist. <laughs> Not ironically, I was like ready to freaking, like go like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> revenue reven in, in my labor ward, and yeah, like I was gonna like what rip out the placenta? you eat, like, eat a bear heart. <laughs> then like freaking nothing
0: oh my god
2: (laughs) so anyway moving on um you know were you both satisfied with how things wrapped up for sweet second male lead nom Gil?
1: i thought he was a total sweetheart but he also reminded me a lot of good boy from startup like he needed to come into his own first and reconcile his relationship with his mother Like, he had his own familial, emotional boo-boos to contend with before he would truly be ready for love. So I think Jinju liking him in this version of reality after she said she wouldn't date him because he smelled, because he was all sweaty. I think at first it made her just some sort of boost to his ego, but then he got to know her, and he did genuinely like her, which is great that he was able to, like, have some sort of feelings, but I don't think they were the right kind of feelings. And again, poor little rich boy who needs to deal with his mama issues caused, you know, hurt caused by his family isn't truly ready for love yet. Like not romantic love. And then like in the, you know, flash forward, you know, 18 years into the future when we're back in present day and we see him as a doting father and then we know that he turned out all right. So I was good with that.
0: Yeah, I love that. That fast forward where we saw him. You know as as a father that made me really happy like i like that they gave him like a nice happily ever after like i felt it was wrapped up and i you know, i think his relationship with jinju taught him a lot and like basically this is my ted talk he liked jinju because she acted like a replacement mother not a girlfriend like it, she very much kind of mothered him she did view him as a child i mean in the in the drama she was mentally much older than him and i think she viewed him you know kind of as a kid um, so she definitely mothered him. And I think that that was what he was attracted to. And he really kind of mistook his like mommy issues for for a crush. So don't bother trying to change my mind on that. Um, I did find it interesting that there wasn't any sort of physical relationship between uh, the second male lead and Jinju, as well as the second female lead and Bondo. Um, I actually found those relationships really nice because I feel like they both um, improved the lives of like those second leads positively, and and I just like that they didn't get creepy.
1: Yeah, they did it without hurt. They did it without hurting them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but um, but like I said, I found it a smart choice because I think it could get weird if they did any sort of physical relationship, um, just because of the mental ages of Bondo and Jinju, and you know these fairly young like college students. I th- I-, I think that. That could have been weird. So I was really, I thought the show treated that, those whole relationships really delicately and well and made me really happy. Like the second female lead was a sweetheart and really needed kind of almost a little guidance and like a friend. And he he was basically, Mm -hmm. Bondo was basically just a really good friend to her. And I really, really loved that.
2: I also just like Bondo was just like such like a get off my lawn sometimes. Like being like, I
1: go.
0: Yeah. He's like, these kids, these kids. Kids these days have no idea. And his friends are like, what is wrong with he him? He was doing? totally like this
1: exasperated old man. I loved it. Yeah, he was like a <laughs>
0: boomer. He was like a boomer in college. It was so cute. It really was
2: cute. Um, So is there anyone who's passed away in your life that you wish you could go back and reconnect with? You know, we see this as like a main feature in Go Back Couple where Jinju really has, the loss of her mom has really affected not only her, but also her relationship with her husband. And so being able to like have this chance to like go back and have reconnection was really healing. And so, yeah, that kind of like prompted this question for me for both of you and who would it be and why?
1: So I don't know. I don't know that I need to reconnect with anybody that I lost to have any sort of healing, but so I have, I, I've lost all my biological grandparents. Like I don't have any, you know, grandparents left. And I, and I feel like, And this might just be my experience with my grandparents growing up. But because of, you know, that two generation gap, I feel like even as an adult, I still felt like a child around my grandparents. And so I never really got to know them as people. And then once I lost them and realizing how much I lost in not, you know, truly knowing them the way that I wanted to know them and like learning things about them, you know, after they passed and stuff like that, I just feel like it would be really comforting i guess to to go back and sort of be like on a level playing field with you know either of my grandfathers or grandmothers and be able to talk to them just about like their life experiences as an adult who cares like what they went through rather than just you know what are you getting me for hanukkah or something (laughs) you know i mean like i i say that you know jokingly but but like really like that's what grandparents are to you when you're growing up is there the people who are like always giving you presents and like babysitting and you know like that's the extent of the relationship for a lot of people and i would like to have something different than that
0: um yeah so my dad's uncle passed away when i was really young and i don't remember him um but my older brother does and it just makes me sad because uh there are so many stories that they tell about my especially my dad tells about his Uncle Sam, who he loved very much. And I've seen pictures of him, I think, like, holding me as a baby. But again, he passed away shortly after that. And so I just wish that I knew him just because the stories about him seem really funny.
2: And I think for me, like, right around the time I was getting really invested in my relationship with Nick and, like, moving to Australia, one of my closest college friends was dying. Um, She got diagnosed with melanoma, which, you know is quite unusual, especially for a young person. Um, And I was with her at the time she got her diagnosis over the phone and went to her first appointment with her at the doctor and literally just had like no idea really that she was like facing down a death sentence. Like I just didn't even comprehend that potential. And as it became clear that it was like more and more serious and, you know, in like internal organs and things like that, like I know I was a supportive friend, But I think that really, I would do a much better job now, like with another 20 years on me, where I think I would have just like have the maturity to make more space, listen without judgment, stay away from like any kind of toxic positivity, um, be comfortable asking like some more challenging questions that I was probably just too immature to even begin to know how to navigate. And so I just think I could have been like, I think going back now, I could like, be a better friend, (laughs) And I just, like, miss her still. And I think about her at least once a week, if not more.
0: That's hard. I, I don't think I would have been able to be my best self at that age no. to, to a friend. That's hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, I
2: mean, I was the best I could be at that, at that I think age. everybody. Right. But, but, yeah, you think back and you're like, you know, gosh, somebody, like, is going through, like, life or death battle. And, like, we just didn't have the tools. No, you're not to... equipped
1: for that. Right.
2: Yeah, to be as helpful as I think we could have been.
1: I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's right. It's sad.
2: I know it is. So, okay. This is a fun one. How is Jinju's mom the real MVP in the drama?
1: Uh, Because she's Kimmy Kyung, our favorite Ajuma. (laughs) But also she was just the best mom to Jinju, even when she thought Jinju was like a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when she went back in time because Jinju was like her shadow, um, and she didn't understand why. And it's because the two connect as mothers. When her mom figures out that her 20-year-old daughter is possibly from another time in her life, that Jinju is able to move on and go back home to her son, and 38-year-old self, where her mother is no longer living, the only way she's able to do that is because her mom tells her that she will get through losing her because of the joy she will have in raising her son. Um, and this was another one of those moments where it just like hit me in my heart because the scene was so poignant and heartbreaking and beautiful because it was these two women connecting as mothers. Like even though her mom didn't quite understand what was going on, she knew because of Jinju's, you know, crying out for Sujin in her sleep and this connection with Bondo that she knew wasn't, he wasn't this like stranger from school. And then she found the letter from Jinju And just kind of figured out, okay, I'm just going to believe that my daughter, something has happened and she has lived a life and has come back to me. And she got it that like, you know, that Jinju was living without her in the future. And just this whole, yeah, this whole connection as mothers and her basically saying, you're going to get through it and you're going to move forward because of being a mother. Like you are going to be able to be without me because you have him, because you have your son. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, this mother storyline, man, I I really think that this is what gave the drama so much depth and so much heart. So, I mean, the mother's death was a huge issue in their marriage. So for those who haven't seen the drama, if you're still listening, so Jinju knew her mother was dying. She needed Bondo to get home from work quickly, uh, and he did not get home in time. To, to make it short he did not get home in time and she was not able to essentially like for see reasons he wasn't like chilling, for reasons but, yeah no no, no 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 that's what i'm saying <laughs> it wasn't his fault it was like a kind of shitty circumstance that he was not able to get home in time she didn't see her mom one last time before her mom passed away and she really carried that resentment because she didn't
2: really get what he had done either like yeah
0: right but i mean even so like she, she was resentful yeah. about it. And, and to be honest, it, it made, it made sense that what the issue was is they never, they never worked it out. They never uh-huh. addressed it. So she was just, so she, she built up this resentment. Then she had a kid. She kind of realized what she was missing out on, not having her mother while she's raising her own son and the issues built and built and built. And that was part of the main, I think like catalyst or reason um, for the divorce, uh-huh. And then afterwards,
2: the fact that, like, he often was trying to cheer her up or, like, make her laugh or do those things when, like, she, that's not what she, you know, they just didn't realize what the other needed.
0: Right. Like, she, like, they didn't, neither of them really communicated. He was like, look, I was just trying to cheer you up. And she's like, I just wanted you to be sad with me. I just wanted Mm. you to, like, sit and be sad with me. and, and, And not try to fix it. And not, yeah, not try to fix it. And so that was that's why that this was so important and so when she got to go back and be with her mother and he loved her mother very much like Mm -hmm. he really loved her and so the first time he saw her mother it you know hit him in 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 the gut and you know (laughs) just this entire storyline really broke me i mean you know i'm close with my mom so mom storylines always get me and this one was was one of the most powerful I think you know one of my greatest stories is like sharing you know my children's lives with my mother and my mother-in-law and so the whole time I'm thinking you know if I didn't have that I, it was just really it was hard to, to watch and so I, I you know and her mom was just such a wonderful mom and she was so kind and caring and her mom was kind of hearing from her mom was kind of what she needed to realize that holding on to this resentment of seeing her mom this like one last time was not worth it basically or it's, it was okay to maybe be angry about it but um you know for your son if your husband you know be happy yep and i think
2: it also got me like in my own mothering feels like i would hope that if my daughters came back and i realized kind of vaguely what was going on you know, I cheer them on to live their best lives. And you know, to get kind of like, double down on like the cheese, like my parents are pretty boomery. And growing up, they had Cahil um, Gibran's The Prophet, which is like a series of you, either of you know this? Yes? No? No. No. <laughs> so it's kind of like this like hippie book that's like, it's, it's like a series of poetry advice, essentially. And it like really like throughout like my childhood, it was always out. I think they thought it was like groovy. they like, they liked it. So anyway, I know this book well. I've like read, I read it a lot as a kid. And in it was like this one line that kind of like I've always thought about like having kids, which is basically like about children and saying that they come through you, but not from you. And though they're with you, they don't belong to you essentially, I'm kind of paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think that that part is like, I felt like that is something that is like the hallmark of being a good parent, right? Is like not expecting like your child to like, they're their own person with like their autonomy and like respecting that. And I felt like um, Jinju's mom was just really just such like a great mom. <laughs> and like, Did respect it and she was like cool as well and i felt like the way that she kind of like realized it i mean like yes like the drama has like some plot holes and this was like a little bit of like they kind of like washed over like the mom kind of realizing what was happening but i thought it was done in a way that like i actually wouldn't change it at all and i felt Mm -hmm. like um it was really like the mom being respectful of her daughter happy for her daughter and realizing that like her daughter was coming from a place where she wasn't there anymore and needing to, like, be able to, like, give her daughter that strength to say that's okay. And, like, you need to, like, do you.
1: It was really well done.
2: So moving on to, like, maybe a little bit of a more silly aspect. <laughs> Thoughts on the second couple. The, I mean, I don't even know what, the, like, I have, maybe in our next I Have Questions, we can look up South Korean cheerleaders because I have so many questions oh my about gosh. what was happening with the cheerleading.
1: So I loved everything about Jungmin and Bo Rum's relationship, except for Jungmin's fake muscles in the (laughs) present day. And it took me like a couple of flash forwards and backs to be like, what, what, what the fuck is happening? Like every time they flash forward to a present day scene, I was literally taken out of the moment because of his jacked arms that I knew were not real because <laughs> yeah, he didn't what? have those as a twenty year old. So I kept and looking and wondering like, what, what sort of point? like what sort of prosthetic was he wearing? Because it looked like he had on like a full set of shoulders and buys and tries. <laughs> like and I don't like I yeah, like what was the point like of who he turned out to be? I don't know. I don't know. I but like it brought me out of the scene every time we saw him in the present.
0: Yeah, well, I thought it was funny because they had they would have him wear like watches essentially to like cover the and like a wristband to cover like the end of the prosthetic, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm like, why? And he had such like this little head and like yeah, it looked, neck. Right, it
1: looked like it was like a it was like this. Like he had no neck because of it.
0: Yeah, it looked like an SNL skit, like like with the you know Han, what Like I mean? Hans and
1: Franz from like the 80s. Yeah, like
0: Hans and Franz. It really threw me. <laughs> I really say I loved Bo Rum so much. Like, I thought she was fantastic. I love how she could, like, drink every guy under the table. And I love how she was, like, really straightforward about kind of, like, what she wanted and who she liked. And, yeah, I thought she was she was really fantastic. And I, I thought that their relationship provided a lot of fun, like, comedic relief. The cheerleader scenes were hysterical. I mean, their outfits were so great. So, um, yeah, so I enjoyed that.
2: They dressed like they were like going to a medieval ball.
0: <laughs> it was like a mummer's day parade yeah. outfits. That's it, what it was like it yeah. was like
1: part medieval part like Bavarian <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. like what did look like <laughs>
0: nothing South Korean. It was very weird. And I like, like I yeah, didn't so I, I didn't
1: realize they were cheerleaders at first until it was like mentioned. I was like, what kind of dance troupe is this? Yeah,
2: dance lots of confusion.
1: Yeah. Dance troupe. And I, I
2: really didn't get the muscle bit so much, but um one thing I did want to share was, you know, circling back to Grace who originally recommended the drama, um, she shared something about this couple and their ending. So, you know, we do know that they broke up and like throughout the drama, I think it was always like a question of like what happened because they kind of seemed weirdly perfect for each other as you like got into it. And I think in the penultimate episode, there was like this like mention within the subtitles that he was a third generation um, Chable and when they couldn't have children, she didn't want to cause him harm and left him. And what Grace said was that like there's like a pretty important like nuance there, which is that the direct translation shares, not that he was a third generation Chable, but that he came from a line of only sons. And so like, you know, this was like a family that just had like one child, then one child, then one child. And so if he didn't reproduce, basically the family line was going to end. And so it's a, you know, it's a big difference. And I felt like it, you know, like I can see more why like that would have made her leave. And I, but I am glad that they ultimately got their HEA and also just like appreciation for grace for sharing that because I was confused (laughs) when it was like the third generation table. I was like, well, but like I got more like the difference.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a huge difference.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And then just as a segue, as we're talking about like the muscles, can we also just talk about the other friend's hair? Like, but I couldn't I could take it seriously,
1: and then when he went to army <laughs> and he got it cut
0: off, I was like, "Oh my god, yes, obviously, so much better." Well, it was clearly like a wig, and he yeah. did not. He was uncomfortable with it. Like you always like the way he would brush it off his hair or off his forehead. Yeah, with like like all his fingers, it was like the whole
1: thing. Here's here's what cracked me up: is he wanted to be Brad Pitt from Legends of the Fall? And I had a poster from that movie. Oh, my God. So so when I was studying abroad in Scotland, that movie was in the theaters in Scotland. And I stole a movie poster from outside a theater and brought it home and put it in my teeny tiny little like Scottish dorm room. And it was Brad Pitt with his long with his long locks. Hey, he looked really good in Legends of the Fall. Yeah, he did. Yeah,
0: he looked great.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was one of the best Brad Pitt iterations. So, just to wrap up, what else do you want to get off your chest regarding the drama?
1: I just want to commend the director or, you know, whoever made the decision that when Bondo got hit by the white minivan or SUV of death, that when he did, you know, nail that windshield and then roll off onto the ground, that there was no body-sized, like, blood puddle under him. I was so happy about that. (laughs) But... But then, but then they lost me at when he was in the hospital after he had surgery, and supposedly some surgery to his head that uh, he had a bloody gauze bandage taped to his hair because apparently in South Korean cranial surgeries, they do not shave the incision site. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because we watched hospital playlists we know that's not true <laughs> and we know that his head would have been shaved properly if Wa was doing the surgery exactly
2: <laughs>
0: so yeah I couldn't stop thinking about the butterfly effect both like the theory and then the movie like have you get? did you guys see the Ashton Kutcher movie butterfly effect oh my god that movie is like to- it's a mind fuck but it's basically like you know one little, you know, change, one little flap of a butterfly's wings has, like, exponential effects on um, the future or whatever. So I kept thinking, like, they're affecting all these people's lives. And, like, like, there's going to be, like, so many changes in the future. And then they go to the future and there's only, like, a couple changes, like his dad, his parents are rich or whatever. So I kind of just had to, like, suspend my disbelief a little bit um, about that. Um, But it made for a much happier drama because the butterfly effect was traumatizing the movie
2: yeah i think this was just like yeah it had its plot holes but like really it was trying Who to cares? make a certain <laughs> it was trying to make a point not be like king eternal monarch right? <laughs> <laughs> which you know how i feel about those plot holes um so for me i just want to get off my chest nom Gil's glasses and how damn good this man looks in glasses Yup, yep, um, yes he looks good in everything but Yeah, I mean, he does, but the glasses, there's just something about like some of these dudes, like, you know, when I feel like they wear, they go for the wire glasses. Uh Like Jitang Wook, we've seen go this way before too. And they're just, ugh, I really like it. And then, yeah, you kind of talked on this a little bit, but the fact that like Bondo's parents took all of his investment advice. And so in the future, they're loaded because I feel like if I was Bondo, I would totally be going back to my parents, like, buy Apple stock. Buy yeah. it, buy i it, buy Amazon yeah. stuck. And so I like resonated with that. That was fun. Yeah. So for book Rock, second chance at first love trope is always a favorite. I feel like we've all written them ourselves. And I'll just share one that I did is called last first kiss. It's the first in um, my Brightwater series. And it's about a, um, a couple that kind of like was young high school you know, sweethearts with, you know, but two families that were neighbors that, uh, like had like adjacent properties and didn't like get along at all. And they end up like getting ripped apart and then coming back together when she is a single mom who returns to her mountain small town. And, uh, you know, her former, you know, first love slash neighbor is now the, um, the small town sheriff. And so there's a bit of motherhood in there, too, and a kind of sexy scene where he does the dishes and then puts her on the table and kind of has her for dinner, I guess. Nice.
1: Perfect. (laughs) I've read this one. I will agree there. Yes.
2: (laughs) So what are we all watching?
1: So I, on Megan's recommendation, like I I needed just something to feel good and Megan just recommended Kiss Goblin and so I watched the first episode um this evening before the pod cuz I just wanted something nice and fun and uh, and I enjoyed it and I'm probably going to watch the rest of it later tonight.
0: Yeah, actually a listener Jody recommended that and it's only 12 episodes and they're only 12 minutes long. It's super short and the second male lead from my roommate is Agumio is the lead and he's very attractive. It's yeah, he it's is. a really it's a really cool premise. It's short and sweet. It's like eating a cookie. I really enjoyed it. So if you need something short and sweet, excuse me, you can check out Kiss Goblin on Vicky. So I am watching Happiness. So by the time this podcast airs, Happiness will be over. But we're recording it when there's two episodes left. And I am stressed in italics and bold. So um, Happiness is... Basically, there's a virus outbreak in the very near future uh, that makes people kind of act like zombies. They want to drink blood. And so uh, the cast of characters is basically quarantined in an apartment building and follows shenanigans where, of course, sometimes the humans are deadlier than the actual infected. Um, So anyway, I'm enjoying it. I just really want to finish it because I'm stressed. And then I am doing my healer rewatch Oh, and it just makes me so happy. I forgot how freaking adorable Parkman Young is in this. I just she adore is. her.
2: I w- I still would like to rewatch that on my own time. I'm doing a rewatch of Reply 1988 and it's totally delightful. It's making me feel all the happy feelings I had the first time I watched it. Um, And that's nice because it's balancing out like the angst I'm having watching King's Affection, which is really good, honestly. Like I need to just like, yeah. I feel like, I know you don't all love historicals, but this is like a gender swap that I feel like is interesting because a lot of times when like you find out that the hidden gender is like revealed, that's like the end of the relationship. Or, you know, like not the end of the relationship, the end of like the big tension. But in this case, she's the king. (laughs) So like the tension is still pretty high because even once like, you know, the guy finds out that like the he is actually like a woman and like you know whatever there's still a lot of conflict because she's actually like been crowned the king <laughs> and so there's like real drama there when like the king is actually having to like hide their gender on pain of death and so i have no idea how they're gonna wrap this one up it's a pickle i think it's a really cool premise I do it is so all right well and then next week i will wrap up some talk on bts permission to dance so excited megan's gonna get into some um of the 80s comeback and um you know preparing for her concert so we're gonna kind of just do like a fun k-pop slash you know some k-pop and drama but mostly just pretty heavy on the k-pop side and that's kind of a one-off we're not gonna
0: take that as a new direction for the for the pod but Correct, but m- because she went to a concert, and we actually have had requests for her to talk about her experience, so, well, you know, we want to give people what they want to hear. Yeah, we need so. a deeper let into me, this. We do. Let me talk yeah. about Namjoon and Sugar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, oh, well, on God. that note, we are going to wrap it up for today and say to everybody,
2: Annyeong! Annyeong!
1: Annyeong. Kamsamnida, thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K romance conversation, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind the scenes photos, and of course, pics of our favorite opas and anis. Annyeong.